0: The Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening.
1: Israel at war. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. Israeli defense forces today pounded targets inside of Gaza after the worst terror attack on the Jewish state in more than half a century. Hundreds of people have been killed. Thousands of people have been wounded in a level of attacks at a scale that is staggering and really has not been seen in this country. For over 50 years. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker was in Jerusalem when Hamas rockets rained down over the weekend. The Israeli ambassador to the UN calls it Israel's 9 11.
2: It is uh, by far the worst day in Israeli history. Never before have so many Israelis been killed by one single thing. And if you're Americans and want to compare this to something in American history, then this could be a 9 11 and a Pearl Harbor. Wrapped into one
1: by paraglider, motorcycle, and boat. Hamas terrorists entered Israel early Saturday. By land and sea, they attacked with reckless abandon. Now Gaza is paying the price. Reporter Holly Williams is in Sidorat today.
2: Israel says it wants vengeance. And in the Gaza Strip, deadly retribution is falling from the sky. In the coming days, Israel's expected to launch a ground incursion. What happened on Saturday is unprecedented. No, but- Ah! Hamas gunmen went on a rampage, slaughtering civilians in the street and kidnapping hostages, including women, children and the elderly. Some of them were paraded through the streets of Gaza, human trophies that Hamas knows it can use against its
1: enemy. That is Holly Williams in Sderot, Israel today, just across the border from Gaza. Former Israeli intelligence officer Ben Yitzhak fears Hamas will resort to ISIS tactics in how they treat those hostages. I won't be surprised if they
3: will kill some of the hostages in front of the camera.
1: Reporter Richard Engel is in the border town of Sderot, which bore the brunt of the Hamas Brutality. Hamas
0: fighters came right down this street. They were in pickup trucks and they were had machine guns uh, mounted to the backs of the pickup trucks and they were firing, spraying buildings, spraying people, anyone that they could kill.
1: Former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says when you consider the 800-plus Israelis that have been murdered the past two days... That would be the
4: equivalent of about 25,000 Americans. We
1: have to destroy Hamas. Rabbi Ari Lightstone is the the former U.S. ambassador to Israel.
4: This is the single most amount of Jews that were slaughtered since the Holocaust. The American people need to know what's actually happening right now. There's a good side, there's a bad side, and you have to pick which side you're on.
1: The Biden administration says U.S. commitment to Israel is quote, rock solid. The USS Gerald Ford with 5,000 sailors aboard at the ready in the eastern Mediterranean. Also, Israel's enacted a total blockade on Gaza. They've
3: even said that there will be no electricity, no food, no fuel, everything is closed. We are fighting human animals, and we will act accordingly.
1: Corresponded Benjamin Hall. The
3: next step is going to be very, very difficult, and that's because of all the hostages that are being held right now by Hamas. There are at least 100 people, including women, including children, toddlers. Elderly people being held captive inside Gaza. And what this does is it adds a very different complication to the next step. We know that there are 100,000 Israeli forces getting together. They are planning on going into Gaza. But it is very complicated because of the prisoners that are being held right now. That's
1: Benjamin Hall reporting. The Wall Street Journal says Iran helped Hamas plan this attack, giving the green light last week at a meeting in Beirut. Florida Congressman Michael McCall. At the end of the day, this is 100%.
0: Iran. Hamas doesn't so much fire a BB gun without Iran giving it the permission and the resources and the green light to do so. The
1: attack comes 3 weeks after the US freed up 6 billion dollars for Iran as part of a controversial prisoner swap. 9 Americans are among the dead from this coordinated and unprecedented attack inside the state of Israel. Other news this Monday afternoon a magnitude 6.3 earthquake has flattened entire villages in western Afghanistan. The death toll has eclipsed 2000. Rescuers digging through the rubble by hand. The BBC's Amani makena Herat's
4: main hospital, stretched thin even under normal circumstances, is struggling to treat the injured. Aid agencies are trying to help. The Taliban government says survivors urgently need food, drinking water, medicine and tense. House
1: Republicans expected to vote this week on a new speaker after California Congressman Kevin McCarthy got the heave-ho last week. Many predict it'll come down to Louisiana's Steve Scalise, the current majority leader, and Ohio's Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. New York City Mayor Eric Adams back home from Latin America where he met with leaders in an effort to deter migrants from crossing into this country. Adams talked about his trip to CBS's Finish.
3: I needed to see uh, firsthand of why are we seeing the flow and speak with the leaders there uh, to see exactly what was taking place. And it was an eye opener for me just to learn that over 21 percent of those who are going through the Darien Gaps, uh, they are children. And I wanted to communicate with the local elected leadership there. to send a clear message. Yeah. New York is out of room. And we need to communicate that.
1: Nearly 4,000 asylum seekers arrived last week in New York City from the southern border. Still to come on the noon report, local man trapped in Israel, jet lag bills, fall to jags, and why it's never too late to fall in love. Well, good afternoon.
5: I'm Kevin Williams looking at a continuation of our November-like weather. Lake effect showers for some, some sunshine for others, chilly for all. Forecast details are
1: up in 10. All right, Kevin, we'll see you then. Thank you very much. News where you live next. The Bills arrived jolly. They came out flat and went home battered. So much for their overseas excursion. Buffalo rallied late but still fell short in a disappointing and costly loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars in London on Sunday. The Bills insider Vic Carucci says the team's late arrival in the U.K. is what spelled their doom. They never
3: really allowed themselves to get acclimated to the five-hour time change They only had one really good night's rest before kickoff. And the Jaguars, meanwhile, had about 10 days in London because they had played the Falcons the previous week there. So this was a team that looked jet lagged. And... In a game that wound up being pretty tight, if you want to look at things that made a difference,
1: there it is. Adding insult to injury, Bills linebacker Matt Milano left early with a knee injury that head coach Sean McDermott says, and we're quoting here, does not look good. We'll have more with Randy coming up in sports. A shooting at a Pennsylvania community center has left one dead, eight injured. Dozens of gunshots rang out in the wee hours of Sunday morning at the Chevy Chase Community Center near Indiana, Pennsylvania, about a mile from the main campus of IU.
4: As you can imagine, this is a very complex and spread out crime scene that we continue to work through at this time. Thousands of pieces of evidence have been and continue to be collected. FBI evidence response teams, along with investigators from the ATF, have been brought in and are assisting our efforts at
1: this time. Lieutenant Colonel George Bivens with the Pennsylvania State Police troopers on horseback arrived at the scene to find more than 150 people streaming out of a private party. Multiple gunmen were told were involved in the shooting. So far, no arrests. A Hornell, New York man killed after being hit by a train in Big Flats, New York. 29-year-old Timothy Galusha was struck by a Norfolk Southern train on the tracks that run along County Route 64. The conductor sounded the horn and applied the brakes but was unable to stop before striking Galusha. Police say the man might not have been able to hear the train because of the earbuds he was wearing. A Rochester, New York man is under siege in Israel as the war with Hamas rages on. Mark Cohen with the Rochester Chamber of Commerce is trapped in Tel Aviv. Being jolted so many times
0: um, is is an emotion and a feeling that is really really hard uh, to con- to convey for that to happen multiple times in a night is terrifying to see
1: Cohen tells Spectrum News he's constantly being awakened at night by air raid sirens and the sounds of explosions
0: we uh, last night in particular were sent to the bomb shelter multiple times in the hotel. In the hotel, the bomb shelters with staircases. We felt very intensely vibrations from an explosion, which was rocket
1: and mortar fire in Tel Aviv. He was on vacation with his family when Hamas rockets began raining down on southern Israel early Saturday. This was supposed to be a trip to
0: explore the country uh, and you know take in culture and. Uh, have a good time, and uh, it turned into something very different very quickly.
1: Now the family of five, including Cohen's pregnant wife and child, are sheltered in place in Israel. Israelis who
0: live here are facing a slaughter
1: like they've never
0: seen. This is an historic event These terrorists are murdering children, are murdering foreign nationals, are kidnapping, are wreaking havoc on this country. And it's beyond deplorable.
1: Mark Cohen of Rochester, New York, trying to find a way out of Israel. Hundreds of union workers walked off the job today at a Mack truck plant near Harrisburg. Correspondent Matt Piper says those workers have rejected a five-year contract offer. They'll be joining striking UAW members at the so-called Big Three, GM4. Ford and Stellantis, which launched a targeted
0: action on September 15th after failing to reach a new deal.
1: Mack truck has plants in the capital region as well as the Lehigh Valley. Workers also walked off the job today at plants in Maryland and Florida. There's a bill in the works that cracks down on organized retail theft in Pennsylvania. 50% of businesses there have experienced significant theft the past 30 days. We're not talking about someone stealing As sick of gum. State Senator David Argo. This is not simple shoplifting. This is organized, massive expensive, dangerous criminal behavior. The bill stiffens the penalties for retail theft. The state Senate expected to take action on the matter soon. Colleges in New York are waiving their application fees next week. This includes all 64 SUNY schools, 25 CUNY schools, and 40 private colleges. It's the first time that private universities have joined public institutions in waiving the fees for high schoolers. You can apply for free from October 16th, through the 29th. Pennsylvania's experienced a wave of job cuts in 2023. The wide range of companies announcing layoffs has already eclipsed last year's total. More on the number crunching from Family Life's Terry Diener.
2: Four more businesses announced layoffs last month in the state, including 58 workers at the Coca-Cola plant in Allentown. So far, over 8,000 jobs have been cut in Pennsylvania across the first nine months of this year. As a comparison, across all Of 2022, there were 7,044 jobs
1: lost. Terry Diener, Family Life News. All right, Terry, thank you very much. With the blessing of the New York State Legislature, New York City has opened up two supervised injection sites for drug addicts. Bronx State Senator Gustavo Rivera thinks the sites will help save lives. Critics fear by legitimizing illicit drug use, New York will only exacerbate the substance abuse crisis. Jason McGuire with New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms says these injection sites violate state and federal law and should be shut down immediately. Programs that aid young children with disabilities are in trouble in New York and Pennsylvania. Reporter Wendy Gillette.
0: Federally mandated early intervention
4: programs in the U.S. to help babies and toddlers with disabilities are struggling. Low pay and inflation are affecting the ability of health care providers to participate. Staffing shortages are also an issue. The Associated Press reports some kids have to wait months, even years for care. Providers say the effects of that can persist into adulthood. Early intervention was created in 1986. About one in six American children have at least one developmental disability or delay.
1: Wendy Gillette reporting joggers like to talk about what's known as a runner's high and apparently there's something to that. A new study by European officials suggests exercise induced euphoria is just as effective as antidepressants. Researchers looked at over 140 patients with clinical depression and found those who took a daily jog got as much of a jolt to their mental health as those who took medication. Well, today's a big day for explorers.
3: It said Columbus discovered America in 1492. He was actually looking for a water route from Europe to Asia, but he wasn't the first explorer to the new world. The Vikings were here in the 10th century with Leif Erikson. Historians say you really only know who he is because of SpongeBob. No kidding.
5: Hey everybody,
0: it's Leif Erikson day. Hinga binga bergen.
3: And while we really don't know which explorer was here first, we do celebrate indigenous people today. All
1: right, a whole lot of celebrating going on today, Brie Tennis with that report. And a western New York couple is proving that it's never too late to fall in love and say, I do. Carmel Mello Parisi and Jenny Metelliano, both 89 years young, did just that over the weekend when they got married. They spent their special wedding day surrounded by friends and family at Russell's Restaurant in Williamsville, New York. The newlyweds share more than just a last name, too. They also share the same birthday. Let's pause next. Check out your Monday sports on the Family Life Noon Report.
3: Good afternoon, I'm Randy Snavely. Bob Stefan Diggs summed it up well when he said the Bills did not play with the urgency needed in this one. In London, Buffalo dropped a 25-20 decision to Jacksonville. Josh Allen, 27-40 for 359 yards and two touchdowns and a pick. He also ran one in for a score, but it wasn't until the fourth quarter that the Bills started to click and they really could not make up the deficit against the Jags. The Steelers, on the other hand, did storm back in the fourth quarter, trailing 10-3 to Baltimore. A safety, a field goal, a 41-yard touchdown pass with a minute to play propelled Pittsburgh to a 17-10 victory. The Jets scored 23 points in the second half to turn a 13-8 deficit into a 31-21 win over Denver. The Giants fell to Miami 31-16. The Eagles still unbeaten with a 23-14 win over the Rams. Other winners, the Falcons, Lions, Colts, Saints, Bengals, Chiefs, and 49ers. In the baseball playoffs, Mitch Garver hit a granny in the third inning to propel Texas to a big lead, and then the Rangers held on to down the Orioles 11-8. Texas now has won four straight on the road to open the postseason, and they are up to nothing against Baltimore. The Twins got three RBIs from former Astro Carlos Correa and even up their series against Houston with a 6-2 win. To NASCAR, AJ Almendinger, already knew he could not advance to the championship field, but that did not stop him from taking the checkered flag in North Carolina. Brad Keselowski, Ross Chastain, Bubba Wallace, and Kyle Busch were all eliminated following the race. That is
1: a look at sports. Hi, Randy. Thank you. Still to come on the noon report, payback time for Israel, connecting the dots to Iran and nine Americans among the dead. Wars broken out in the Holy Land. We're following the latest developments after this. Welcome to
4: Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm Stone, Street. Well, today marks the 770th anniversary of the death of Robert Test, someone who, though from a humble background, rose to prominence and importance as a church statement, a theologian, an educator, and eventually Bishop of Lincoln, England. Among the few details known about Grostest's education in early life is that he was educated in a cathedral school, quite possibly at Hereford. He showed such promise in the liberal arts, canon law, and medicine that in 1192, he was recommended to William de Vere, the bishop of Hereford, for a position. Grostest worked for de Vere until de Vere's death in 1198. In 1225, Grostest was given a benefice in the Diocese of Lincoln. In 1229, he became an archdeacon at Leicester and a canon of the cathedral at Lincoln. Grostest began to teach theology at the Franciscan Convent in the relatively new University of Oxford. His teaching would become a major influence on Franciscan theology. In 1235, Grostest was elected bishop, and he became heavily involved in ecclesiastical politics, particularly in combating clerical corruption. In 1250, a conflict with the Archbishop of Canterbury, Boniface of Savoy, landed Grostest before Pope Innocent IV. Now, at about age 80, he lectured innocent about problems in the church and laid the blame squarely at the feet of the papacy. Still, Grosstest's most important work was as a theologian and a teacher. His theological treatises and teachings shaped Franciscan thought and laid the foundation for theology at Oxford. Eventually, his work on ecclesiology would be a major influence on the English reformer John Wycliffe about a century after the death of Grosstest. And if all of that work in the church wasn't enough, gross tests had a major impact on medieval science, specifically in developing an early version of the scientific method. And that methodology would continue to shape studies of the natural world well into the 17th century and the beginnings of the scientific revolution. And following St. Augustine, Gross Test argued that we can only know truth through illumination. Just as we cannot see a body unless it has light shining on it, the mind cannot comprehend truth unless the divine light of the Logos, Jesus Christ, illuminates it. And so all knowledge, for a Christian and non-Christian alike, is mediated by Christ. For test, understanding light had a much greater significance even than its application to epistemology. His entire cosmology, as well as his understanding of the relationship between soul and body, was built on light, as the first element of creation. He had a particular interest in optics, so he often worked with lenses, spherical glass bowls filled with water, and other tools to explore the behavior of light. In the process, he made significant advances in optics that soon led to the development of eyeglasses. Grostest and his work married philosophical and theological reflection, mysticism, observation, and experimentation to produce the kind of highly integrated vision of the world that's so foreign to how we think today. His groundbreaking work in scientific methodology and mathematizing natural philosophy and the specific conclusions he reached about optics were important advancements that had a profound influence on theology and natural philosophy for the next several centuries. And given our tendency today towards over-specialized fields of academic study, Gross test vision that Christ mediates all knowledge is more relevant today than ever. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint.
1: Thank you, John. Let's take it outside next, Kevin Wimps. Here is your family life weather forecast. Well, on this Columbus
5: Day, we're discovering some November-like weather across the region today. Call to for this afternoon. We'll have clouds, intervals of sunshine, lake effect rain showers east and northeast of Lake Syria, Ontario, temps 50s foremost. Variable clouds tonight and tomorrow with a few showers. Risk and chilly. 40s tonight, 50s tomorrow. Wednesday clouds, sun, scattered showers and high temperatures in the 50s to near 60.
1: All right, Kevin, thank you very much. This is the Noon Report. I'm your host, Bob Price. Here's what's happening Monday, the 9th of October. Israel calls it their 9 11. An unprecedented Hamas attack on the Jewish state over the weekend has left over 800 Israelis and nine Americans dead. This woman in southern Israel witnessed their brutality by the Palestinian terrorists. They
3: went into homes. They pulled people out of their homes because for the first time in, in I don't know how long, there were uh, terrorists all throughout Israel with guns just shooting
1: people in the street Corresponded MTS Tayab is in Tel Aviv Israel's government estimates over a hundred Israelis are now in Hamas's custody. Families of the missing are being encouraged to come here, a center where they can register details of loved ones and provide DNA samples. Hamas terrorists entered Israel early Saturday using explosives, paragliders, motorcycles, and boats. Reporter Naomi Ruckham continues our coverage from Jerusalem.
3: Israeli soldiers converged on the south, where Hamas says it took dozens of hostages. Frustrated family members of the missing are gathering at a center in Tel Aviv. We don't know what's going on. No one's talking to us. We can't get in contact with anyone. The U.S. is sending a carrier strike group to the region in support of Israel, which includes the Navy aircraft carrier USS Gerald R. Ford. The Israeli
1: ambassador to the U.N. says Hamas has committed war crimes.
4: Hamas is a genocidal Islamist jihadist terror organization. It is no different than ISIS. There is no reasoning with genocidal jihadists. They do not want dialogue. They want one thing and one thing only. The Annihilation of the Jewish State.
1: The Wall Street Journal says Iran helped plot the surprise attack. Media critic Joe Concha thinks that $6 billion we gave Iran three weeks ago, that may have helped fund this incursion. $6 billion goes to Iran, and now Hamas is emboldened to
4: launch an attack like this. And it is all because Iran is funding Hamas, and we
1: funded Iran. President Biden says U.S. support for Israel is rock solid. The U.S. Navy has a warship and sailors at the ready in the eastern Mediterranean. Correspondent Cammy McCormick.
0: The Pentagon has ordered the Gerald Ford Carrier Strike Group to be ready to assist Israel. It was already in the Mediterranean with 5,000 sailors and accompanied by cruisers and destroyers. They could possibly interdict additional weapons from reaching Hamas and conduct surveillance.
1: The head of the Israeli Defense Forces has ordered a total blockade of Gaza. God- No electricity, no food, no fuel is being allowed into the Palestinian-controlled territory as Israeli defense forces continue to pound the living daylights out of Gaza. You're listening to The Noon Report, a Monday edition on Family Life. (laughs) And welcome back to another edition of Issues in Education. Mondays during the noon report, we spotlight the issues that matter most to our public schooling families with a good Dr. Ralph Kerr at the Teaching and Learning Institute in beautiful Houghton, New York. Ralph, welcome back to the program, sir. A little education indoctrination to get started. I know this is one of your big bugaboos when kids are taught what to think instead of how to think. And whether you're calling it CRT or DEI, New York seems to be doubling down in this regard, forcing it down the throats of districts statewide. Are schools really obligated, Ralph, to promote this type of curriculum? And if so, what's that going to look like in the classroom?
2: Well, you know, if you look at the language really carefully, there was some guidance issued back in August by both the attorney general and the commissioner of Education, but the language of that is not mandatory at all. It's really interesting. They're asking schools to consider using the concepts of CRT and DEI in educational planning and decision-making, and then they offer guidance for offering recommendations on how you might do that, and they're urging school districts to do it, but as you read it carefully, I think it really puts it down to the local level, which obviously then means that it's really up to the administration and more importantly to the school board members to take a look at the curriculum and how it's being taught. So it's not as bad as it looks initially, and I think schools do have some uh, flexibility in how they deal with these items.
1: Yeah, and so in other words, read the fine print. (laughs)
2: Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Excellent.
1: We've mentioned this topic before on this program, but it's moving forward in Pennsylvania. State Senator Doug Mastriano, who a lot of people know, ran for governor last year unsuccessfully. He's advancing a bill that would mandate districts make available online every textbook used to teach kids in K-12. through 12. I know a lot of districts are just taxed to the gills as far as the workload goes. Is this something do you think is necessary? Senate Bill 340 and
2: why? Well, you know, this is going to be really difficult for the districts to do, primarily because in the bill, the senator doesn't offer any definition for what constitutes a textbook. And generally, that's considered to be the main book that's used in a class, and that may be easy in a math class or something like that. But the definition then includes textbook substitutes, whether they're hardcover or paperback books, includes workbooks and manuals. And I can tell you that the special ed people are... Are going crazy over this, yeah. because individual instruction, which lots of special ed teachers do, involves literally hundreds of resources that under that definition could be considered a textbook. And there's no way that districts are going to be able to publish all of those books on their website. And furthermore, I don't think anybody would be interested in reading a, a long list of that. Yeah. So if I were making a suggestion to Senator Mastriano, I would suggest that he go back and clearly define what a textbook is.
1: All right, we'll see where it goes. Uh, Probably not going to pass the House, but it is moving through the Senate there in Harrisburg. Then finally, one of your favorite topics, uh, electric buses. Uh, You can't find drivers, but uh, hey, uh, maybe they'll drive themselves. Who knows? Governor Hochul announcing recently that she's freed up another $100 million to help districts meet the goal of being entirely electric by the year 2035. Zero emissions school bus. By 2035. Ralph, two part question. Are we going to get to that uh, goal in time? And how is that money going to be divvied up between the, the many hundreds of districts in New
2: York? Well, the answer to the first question is we're not going to get to that target by uh, 2035, mainly because $100 million will buy you about 500 buses, and there are actually 32,000 buses in the state of New York. In order to make that conversion, Version. it would take $7 billion, with a B dollars uh, wow. in order to meet that goal. So I'm hesitant to say it, but $100 million in this project is a little drop in the bucket. And as far as how it's going to be divvied up, it'll probably be done by a grant application, which most funding like this is done. But if I were the superintendent in a small district, I wouldn't worry about it right now. I've got other worries besides getting funding for school buses, electric school buses, which I can tell you now will be divided up more amongst the big five yeah. uh, cities than it will be amongst the rural school districts in the areas that family life serves. All right, again, uh, a bigger fish to fry
1: than that right now in public education. Hey, if you're listening to this program, you've never heard Dr. Ralph Kerr or the Teaching and Learning Institute. What is that anyway? Ralph, you have information on your website where folks can go and learn more. What is that,
2: sir? Yeah, that website is simply whyrun.org. I run.org.
1: Dr. Kerr, thank you very much. Issues in education comes your way Mondays during the Noon Report or online at FamilyLife.org. A
5: very good afternoon to all. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. Well, on this Columbus Day, we're discovering some November-like weather across the region today. Big, swirling low in southeastern Canada, producing brisk, blustery, chilly conditions and a mixture of leak-effect showers and sunshine that'll be our fate the next couple days and. Uh, we expect that'll be the story actually through midweek. The call for this afternoon will have clouds, intervals of sunshine, lake effect, rain showers east and northeast of Lake and Ontario. High temps, 50s foremost. Variable clouds tonight and tomorrow with a few showers. Brisk and chilly, 40s tonight, 50s tomorrow. Wednesday, clouds, sun, scattered showers, and high temperatures in the 50s
1: to near 60. Hi, right, Kevin, thank you. Finally, at noon, a book club in California has just given new meaning to the word procrastination. Family Life's Brian Query explains. When someone says they are taking their time, it usually means a small wait.
4: Well, a reading group meeting monthly at the Venice branch of the Los Angeles, California Public Library really has taken waiting to a whole new level. Many are calling them the, quote, procrastination book club. Because after first meeting in 1995, the group just finished their first book after 28 years, James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake. They would read one page of it, then discuss it for two hours. And when the COVID-19 pandemic hit in 2020, the group continued to have Zoom calls to discuss the book. And now after 628 pages, they've read the final one and are circling back to the beginning. What may come next? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Brian Query, Family
1: Life News. Slow and steady wins the race, Brian. Thank you very much. And that's the world we live in, folks. Monday, October the 9th. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News.
0: You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.